owning a brokerage is time consuming. It's a lot of liability. It's not as rosy as what the image may be, but it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of capital because not every brokerage is really profitable. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today, Samer Qureshi. How you doing, Samer? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit more about Samer. He is the CEO and broker of AK Real Estate, which is boutique brokerage in D.C., and Maryland and Virginia. He manages a team of 40 plus agents specialized in residential development, distressed properties, commercial and property management. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, absolutely. I'm Sam Arkreshi, as you said, the CEO and broker of AK Real Estate. I've been in the business about 18 years myself. Started out when I was 18 years old, right out of high school. Been running a mom and pop business for years. And when I took over the home, you know, been kind of working on this independent brokerage and dealing with the big conglomerate agencies to kind of kind of carve a path for ourselves, especially here in the DC market, it's very cutthroat. I've been able to utilize technology and hire the best people to kind of make a name for ourselves in a very cutthroat business. I myself am like I said, a broker as well. I'm also a full-time agent as well. And I'm also a marketer in the sense that I leverage public online real estate sites to help add value and lead and systems to my current agents. What are some specific ways that you've identified to help differentiate yourself from other brokerages in the market? Well, in 2012, I bought my first lead or first advertising spot, a zip code on Zillow.com. I kind of started on my own. I found a new way to own, buy visibility online, basically a billboard. And I started with that and I started buying one zip code, then a second zip code, a third. And then you get to a point of owning a hundred zip codes or a hundred billboards online, which enabled me to generate leads, be able to kind of create my own market within a market. By doing that, I was kind of started on my own with me and an admin back in 2012, ended up selling almost $50 million in 2012 to 101 in 2013, to 160 in 14, to 218 last year. And through this exercise and, and basically adding value, and just, I was able to hire some amazing people and put CRMs together, lead distribution, reporting, hiring a great support staff that can handle this type of lead volume. Our business is very cutthroat. It's kill or be killed. It's a very selfish business, but I'm able to kind of create a great environment, create a team that everyone's out there to help each other. Of course, the catalyst was every agent that comes into this type of industry has to kind of go out there and get their own. 
but I've been able to give them leads, build their foundation, train them on how to be creative and how to deal with obstacles than just a bland and boring type of real estate that's out there. So having that extra business and that branding and support has really helped create a lot better brokers that I currently work with. Are you primarily getting your leads through Zillow? Zillow is about 80% of my pipeline in the sense of the thousand leads that I get roughly a month. I'm also utilizing Realtor.com, using Facebook, Google PPC, pay-per-click, also doing my own type of SEO and SMO. The majority of it is Zillow. I spend over a million dollars a year when you combine all the websites and the costs. But again, everything's relative. I mean, we've been able to close close to a billion dollars in almost six years through Zillow. And those are my main sources of business. And also now, after a couple of years, my agents have gone on their own and also purchased their own type of online marketing. So as a broker house, almost 95% of our business comes from some type of lead source that's online. What would be some tips that you would give someone who has not spent a penny on Zillow yet, but they have a brokerage and market that's not competing with yours in order to set them up for success? Well, I think Zillow, when you really break it down, Zillow's changed and evolved over six years. It's one of the most expensive sites to be on, one of the most competitive. So I don't know that if you ask Sam or today versus Sam or six years ago, today it would be, what is your goals? Who are you working with? What type of budget do you have? Because a lot of people that come into real estate don't really have a lot of money coming out of school. It's not like someone's a venture capitalist and all of a sudden they want to become an agent. To me, the best advice I would tell someone is, look, find out who's in your marketplace. See who else is out there that has a great team that you could potentially join forces with that maybe already has a great marketing play where you can leverage off that, build your foundations, reinvest in yourself, and then start doing it on your own. Because most broker houses definitely don't pay top-tier commission when it comes to lead-generated business versus your own self-generated business. And I think the real estate game has evolved where you have the single agent. It's not going to survive forever unless you have a book of business. But you really want to align yourself with a team, a squad, a mentor, some team or some people that are really like-minded that are going to help you grow, secure that foundation so you can help reinvest in yourself. There's obviously other websites like Realtor.com that are less expensive, but everything is relative. Everything has its own ROI, its own capture rates. And there, obviously, in every market around the country, various sites do a lot better. So to me, it's finding the other top-tier brokers in your market and utilizing that as a way to come together to kind of brainstorm and leverage what they currently have so you can continue to grow. What team and or mentor did you align yourself with when you were getting started? Well, believe it or not, I was just by myself. I was using carbon paper back in 1999. I was using AOL. I was using the yellow pages. I was going to the bars and clubs and meeting different people on the street and pounding the pavement. So things are a lot different than they are today than they were a long time ago. Like I said, my family started the business in 1989. They ended up moving to the Middle East. When I was 18, I ended up taking over the brokerage and I was also running a mortgage company, believe it or not, at that time. So it was just me and just a small independent shop. So I really couldn't align anything. I basically had to align people around me. So it was a little bit different. I've always been working for myself, so I haven't really changed gears or shifted to different brokerages. I've been just kind of creating a name for ourselves and realizing that your name is what sells, not the brokerage name. The game has changed where I don't have to be with the biggest company in the world. 
to gain business anymore. You have your name, your own reputation. And by leveraging online media, you can have being there. So my world, I've been able to build people around me to create teams inside of a broker house that have helped us become more successful versus me aligning with someone else outside of my sphere. So now let's drill down into some of the opportunities and deals that you and your company has been working on. When I read the description earlier, it said residential development, distressed properties, commercial and property management. What are the main types of deals that you all work on? We did about $218 million last year in gross sales volume, about 604 transactions. And of that, it's about an 80-20 split between buyers and sellers, 80% being buyer business. We also do development where we're doing, dealing with a lot of investment properties where people were getting clients, single row homes or townhouses, you may call them, and turning them into a two units or three units or four unit plus condo development. So we found opportunities where we're able as a company to find off-market business that isn't on the open market, be able to get a pool of investors, various clients, whether international or local, and help them through the process from turning a one-unit into a multi-unit, being able to help with architects and engineers and contracting and to be able to get to a point where there's a finished product. So we've been able to have a nice niche of investment properties as something as part of our portfolio. So we're known out there for being able to have our hands in this type of product, especially in the Washington, D.C. market, where housing is very scarce. And there's a great opportunity where you're actually not only are you selling multiple units, obviously making money, but you're also changing a community. You're changing the way a block looks like. And that's been really cool because, yeah, you have your onesies and twosies, which are buying a house, selling a house, you know, you're doing rentals, whatnot. But really, the development into multi-use commercial property, taking land and being involved in the future, added value to that neighborhood has been pretty awesome. So we have our hands in a lot when it comes to the development of changing communities, obviously bringing assets to the table, finding inventory that's not on the market. So we've been a great resource for that. How do you find inventory that's not on the market? The relationships. It's pounding the pavement. It's calling up developers. It's calling up your past clients. It's, it's knocking on doors. It really starts somewhere where you're like, whether you're sending mailers out to houses, whether you're networking with various agents that also have connections. There's certain people in the world that are connectors and certain people that are not. And we've been able to kind of luckily pound the pavement and meet those type of people that have been able to help us, whether it's contractors, whether it's attorneys, architects. It's really just getting out there and building relationships. And once you start, like years ago, it becomes an avalanche. And I think that goes into anything that you're doing, not just off-market properties. It's all connections. It's all being selling property and people calling you and just networking. It's all people-based and really the connection that you make while you're doing business. What's the typical investor ask for when they're reaching out to you and saying, hey, I'm looking for an investment property? Well, of course, the investor wants to make a lot of money. What do you have that's available that I can buy and flip? What's out there that I can buy and hold? In essence, most of the people that I call these days are looking to buy and flip property within a certain six-month or 12-month time period. And of course, a lot of people call and they're unrealistic. Everybody thinks that every deal is going to be a home run. Well, that's not the case. Sometimes you got to look at the deal and say to yourself, how much room do I have to mess up and that I still can keep the shirt on my back? But a lot of the clients that call, again, are looking to buy and flip. 
and they're looking for this rock star deal. And at the end of the day, these rock star deals are far and few. But we as brokers should be able to say, look, you have to start somewhere. And usually the first deal for any new investor that you're dealing with is typically the most critical, right? If somebody loses money, they're not going to do it again. So for us, it's really setting the expectation for them and understanding the market that's very fierce. And that's why having some off-market deals where you can hopefully cut down some of the cost, that gives them that room to play. But most of the investors these days are looking, like I said, for inventory, and they're looking to make a 15 to 25 plus percent return in 12 months net, which again, with the lack of inventory that's out there, not that easy. But that's why aligning yourself with a company like ours that has a great network can hopefully put you in that position to win. What are some qualification questions that you'd ask an investor when you first meet him or her in order to determine if they're going to be a good client for you? My first question typically is, have you ever done this before? You want to kind of gauge who you're dealing with because everyone wants to be an investor. Everyone watches the HGTV shows and everyone wants to make some type of money, especially as an agent. Anyone that calls you, you, take, you try to take them seriously. But it's asking them, have you done it before? And a lot of times if they have, I usually typically ask them to send me some type of properties to show me examples of what you've done. What did you buy that for? What did you end up making? Were you happy with that investment? Because you try to get to a point where you get to understand what are they used to? Do they even understand this market? Are they coming from a different city that's across the country and they're coming here? Do they even understand the price points? Another question I typically ask is, is it your money? that you're dealing with? What type of financing are you doing? Are you getting a loan? Are you paying cash? If you're paying cash, is it your capital? Because a lot of times you'll run into investors that are calling on behalf on behalf on behalf of somebody. And you try to get to the point of, is this the real source that you're dealing with? What's your patience level? Do you have your own crews when it comes to construction? And depending on, the, it could be lipstick work, right? You don't really need to go get architects and things like that. But if you have somebody who hasn't done it at all, those are the things you want to ask. Is like, where's the money coming from? What's your goal? How do you see yourself getting out of this? What's your vision? And a lot of people do call, but a lot of times for every 10 investor calls that we get, maybe one or two of them are legitimately real. A lot of them are calling and they just want to get information and you got to kind of weed it out. That's really helpful. For all the best ever listeners who are looking to build a relationship with a brokerage, to know that these are the types of questions that we're going to have to answer and to make sure that we have good and truthful answers for these questions. When you work with investors who do qualify, what's their typical purchasing power, if there is one? Well, in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, you encompass a lot of real estate in our area. I have investors that if they're trying to break into the DC market and looking to do condo conversions, you're going to be in the million to a million and a half range and up in the sense of acquisition cost and construction cost. So you have that type of investor. You have other clients that maybe if they called me and they're like a first time investor, there's a property you can buy for around 250000 or less. And then maybe between fifty dollars to $100,000. So you're talking about $300,000 to $400,000 investment for property like buying a single family, gutting it from the inside or doing lipstick work. When I say lipstick work, paint, carpet, clean up, things like that. When I say gut, you're gutting it down to the studs where you have a new roof, new furnace, new plumbing, new electrical. And there's the different types of it. The first buyer is going to be low end, which is still a good return, but safer and smaller. And the higher end is going to be the million plus. You know, of course, there's stuff in the middle in between that. 
I mean, there's obviously, depending on the client and what the type of money is, usually I can direct them. It's like anyone that calls me today and says, I want to buy a house for half a million bucks. And I ask them, well, what do you envision for that half a million dollars and where? I'm able to, at least with my experience, tell them this city is not going to work. This city is not going to work. But you can get this here. You can get this here. You can get this here. And a good broker that is multidimensional and understands investing and the out sales and acquisition costs and has a sense of construction, even though we're not contractors, you should still be able to kind of know which direction to put them in. And at the end of the day, all you can do is advise them. And a good broker also doesn't try to put a circle through a square, right? In the sense that not every person is a viable candidate that you should be working with. And it's very hard out there because a lot of agents also don't have experience in dealing with investment. Because a lot of the questions should be by an investor to a broker is how many times have you worked with an investor and what have you done with them to be able to answer that? Because a lot of times the investor doesn't even ask that question and both parties end up getting burned in the end. Mm, great point. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Based on your experience working with investors and just building a company, what is your best advice ever for either investors or someone who is looking to build a brokerage? Well, I can tell you, building a brokerage is super, super, super tough. For me, the best thing about a brokerage is I love the people. I love to be able to mold and shape and, and help train them and see them grow. It's kind of like farming. You lay a seed, you water it, you make sure the sun is coming out, and you watch it grow. But owning a brokerage is time-consuming. It's a lot of liability. It's not as rosy as what the image may be, but it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of capital because not every brokerage is really profitable. People don't really see that unless they're trying to acquire a brokerage or unless you're really you know, digging deep into someone's finances. For me, it's expansion. Once you get to a point where you can expand and you have, you've built a great image, a solid foundation, then you can start to see the capital. But I wouldn't advise anyone to go start a brokerage and hire a million agents if they're not ready for the liability, for the rat race, and don't know how to lead and train. Because you've got to have the right people that can handle it, from the admins to your operations person to technology. And also to start a brokerage, you have to ask yourself, what are you adding value? How are you adding value to the agent that's going to work with you rather than already existing brokerage that is already out there? And to me, this industry, I see people leaving the business more than I see them coming into the business, mm -hmm. which is a first. And I see people going to teams and aligning themselves there versus working individually. At least the top 1% is slowly gravitating towards that. So starting a brokerage, you got to make sure you have the risk tolerance, the capital, the patience, and really have to have a plan. If people that want to become a broker just so they can get a higher commission split and work by themselves, I understand that. No problem. But don't get into it thinking it's this beautiful Hollywood, I'm going to make so much money type of thing. Take it from me. After 18 years selling tons of real estate, it's not that glamorous. It's, it's just <laughs> it takes a certain type of person that can handle it. For me, I love the people. I can make a lot more money working by myself. And that's a proven fact. However, I believe in the people and I love what I do. And anyone that even survives is in the real estate industry after six months to a year, that should give a trophy by itself because this is a roller coaster ride while you're blindfolded. I don't have to deter anyone from opening a brokerage, but I think it's really critical that they network with other brokers and really understand what it entails and hear it from their mouth directly. Maybe shadow them. Maybe see what a day or a week in the life of really looks like. Don't get caught up in the fancy cars and the clothes and the jewelry and the fast talk. There's a lot more to it when you're running a business 
It doesn't mean have to be about brokerage. Any business that you really own and you're looking to have people there, start thinking about what other options they have so you can make yourself marketable. And at the end of the day, my brokerage's value is me. Without me, to me, the brokerage is not going to stand. And that's a testament to say, look, as much as I have value in myself, if I walked away, will they still be there? And those are the questions you have to ask yourself. What value are you adding? You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. (laughs) All right. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com. All right, best ever book you've read? I've never read a book. Best ever transaction you've done? Man, that's tough. I have a lot of them. Well, the best transaction I ever did was a listing of mine that I was selling, and then I ended up buying it from the seller. It was my first weird deal where it's like I thought I was being unethical in the sense of asking my client, can I buy his property? So I ended up buying it, demolishing and building it for myself and my wife. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction or just in business in general? <sighs> well, sometimes when you're doing deals and you work with clients, and I think it's giving a lot of credits in my life, meaning that a lot of times my patience level is thin and to make deals work, sometimes I end up giving a lot of credit back to make the deal work because I don't want to lose the deal. And I'm also dealing with other people on the other side of the transaction that don't think forward. They have a block in their face, like a wall that they're willing to lose deals over a couple hundred bucks here and there. But once you start giving credits, which is not a bad thing, but at the end of the day, it's kind of caught up to me over the years where you have the referrals and the referrals and the referrals and everyone starts to know the precedent that you've set. Mm. So <laughs> I don't think I've made a full commission in a long time. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back? One is teaching. I love to go out and speak, whether it's to my staff, whether it's in front of other agents. I love to motivate. We do a lot of charity work around the D.C. area, whether it's with children, whether it's sponsoring basketball teams, whether it's food banks, whether it's Ronald McDonald House. But that's amazing, and I love that. But to me, my favorite thing to give back is really share the knowledge. And whether I'm doing it today with you or whether I'm doing it with other agents that don't work with me, you know, people always say to me, like, why do you give out so much information? Well, I say, you know what? At the end of the day, no one is me. No one will be me. So a lot of people will listen and, and feel motivated. But people should realize they have to work. So as much as I like to give, 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 I always realize that it's not like I'm giving anything that they can take from me. But I really do selflessly and naturally love to teach. And on that note, how can the best ever listeners either get in touch with you or your company? Well, my cell phone is 301-385-0049. I think you'll be sharing my website with everybody. Yep. Uh, but you can call me direct or send me an email at info at a-k realestate.com. 
Samer, thank you for being on the show. As you said, everyone should start a brokerage. It is all about fancy cars, jewelry, and lavish lifestyle, right? <laughs> did I misquote you or did I get that right? I think I got that right verbatim. <laughs> thank you for being on the show. And then also, you know, talking through from your perspective and your team's perspective when you field a phone call from an investor, what are the questions that you're asking? Like, have you done this before? Is it your money? Do you know the market? What's your patience level? What's your vision? What's your goal? And are you working with your own crews? Things like that. And then also for us to qualify the broker on the other end of the line and talk through, have you worked with investors and get to know them as well? So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking about lessons learned along the way and hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.